Macrocast, the sound of the economic world, with Gilles Moeck, AXA Group Chief Economist. As some US states are putting the brakes on easing containment measures in the face of an upsurge in cases, the mechanical rebound in economic activity could be less spectacular than expected. This scenario, which could also be encountered in Europe if the pandemic returns, may be offset by increased policy stimulus. But the shift from general emergency support to long-term demand management will raise thorny economic and political questions. How best to protect jobs will be a key debate. It's Monday, June the 29th. I'm Gilles Moeck, and you're listening to Macrocast. Governments everywhere reacted to the collapse in economic activity by resorting first to generous and broad-based support schemes, favoring simplicity of access. The simpler and the least conditional they were, the faster employee income would be supported without getting bogged down in administrative bottlenecks. In many cases, the measures were prone to free riding. We even argued in Macrocast that the US Paycheck Protection Program provides the wrong sort of incentives, since the strongest companies facing little pandemic-related risk with a low probability of reducing their headcount would benefit from a subsidy while weaker firms would be left with more debt. Still, given the brutality of the crisis, those shortcomings probably had to be tolerated. The natural slope for a second phase would be to reduce the generosity of those broad emergency schemes as exiting lockdown allows the supply side of the economy to normalize, while government support would be maintained on the demand side by resorting to more traditional, long-haul fiscal stimulus, for instance, through public investment programs. Maintaining emergency support as it was operating at peak lockdown would stretch the fiscal capacity of governments too much, even in the current configuration of extraordinary monetary support. Moreover, even if governments had infinite policy space, some of these schemes may become counterproductive, impairing the normalization in supply. Looking at the US again, when the federal government chose to top up the state's unemployment benefit schemes with a $600 weekly premium, they brought median benefits on par with median labor income. While freezing income during the lockdown made a lot of sense, prolonging the scheme for too long would not nudge workers back to work. An issue with this phased approach is that all sectors are not equal in the face of the pandemic. Some industries will continue to be affected for longer than others. Another problem is that some sectors have been hit so deeply that even with a quick normalization in general supply conditions, they may not survive. A generic long-haul demand stimulus would be far too late, too little for them. An option is to direct to these sectors at risk enough financial resources to help them go through their rough patch. But as we argued last week, loans, even at concessionary rates, are not a perfect substitute for proper stimulus. Since settling challenged businesses with more debt to offset a contraction in output will put a further strain on their cash flows after the grace periods. The latest announcements in France on changes to the part-time unemployment benefits can be seen as an attempt to deal with these issues. Indeed, from the 1st of October onward, the general scheme will be made less generous, but businesses faced with lasting difficulties will be able to benefit from long-haul support, up to two years. The details are still being negotiated, but under the new scheme called APLD, employees in these challenged businesses would see their working time reduced by up to 40%, but they would still earn 84% of their initial early wage after social contribution on this unworked time. The government would indemnify firms to the tune of 80 or 85% of this unworked pay 
depending on how quickly they manage to negotiate a deal with the local unions, a condition for accessing the scheme. This suggests that in the cases in which working time would fall by 40%, the government would pay roughly a quarter of the total wage bill. The impact on public finances could be quite significant at first glance. There are currently 4.6 million workers effectively covered by the current part-time unemployment scheme. If they all shifted to the APLD with a working time reduction of 40%, this would result in a cost to the government of 1.2% of GDP. However, one needs to think in terms of net costs. A number of employees who would be covered by the APLD would lose their job altogether without the scheme. In France, the average replacement rate of the traditional insurance benefit system stands at 70%. That is, on average, the benefit is equivalent to 70% of the initial monthly wage and can last for up to two years. That is 2.8 times the cost to public finances of APLD per worker under the assumptions above. In other words, from a fiscal point of view, avoiding one fully unemployed worker would justify 2.8 APLD beneficiaries. Beyond the fiscal angle, a key macroeconomic issue this type of schemes raises is how they could affect potential growth. Indeed, overprotection could result in impairing creative destruction, that is, the reallocation of capital and labor from businesses and sectors with less demand and productivity prospects to younger, more dynamic activities. We are in an ambiguous situation, though. Lockdowns do not follow an economic logic. Prolonged supply-side disruption could destroy perfectly viable and productive businesses and industries. Concerns over zombification are not necessarily warranted. Allowing those viable sectors to be wiped out could even deteriorate potential growth if, purely by chance, the surviving sectors happen to be the least productive ones. So far, the pandemic-related recession has disproportionately hit industries with lower-than-average productivity. Uh, for instance, hospitality, which is one of the most labor-intensive sectors. But some highly capital-intensive industries are faced with potentially protracted activity slumps. Think of aerospace, for instance. Ultimately, governments will have to make a judgment call, with the usual risk that they fail to spot the winners and the losers. The debate on the impact of these schemes on potential growth may be rife for some time. But in our view, long-haul protection of employment may be an essential plank in demand management as well. Labor relocation is a messy process at the best of time. Skills mismatches across industries are one of the key impediments. And that usually involves significant friction, which temporarily depletes GDP growth. Smooth relocation would be even more difficult in a situation of depressed aggregate demand since even the dynamic sectors would not be in position to absorb as many workers shed by the obsolete sectors as they should. Slowing down the release of workers from the worst-hit sectors would make sense in such a configuration. The alternative, that is, allowing hard-hit sectors to shed labor very quickly, could trigger a self-reinforcing spiral in which the rise in the aggregate unemployment rate would fuel even more precautionary saving, further depressing final demand. We note that in the French APLD, Companies would not be barred from reducing their total headcount while they benefit from the scheme, unlike in the all-blanket part-time unemployment scheme. But this would be part of the negotiation with the unions. The idea there probably is to organize the workforce reduction in an orderly, gradual way, rather than triggering a brutal flood of laid-off workers on an already depressed labor market. French labor market institutions are of course highly specific, 
But beyond the arcane technicalities, we think similar policy proposals will pop up across all advanced economies. We think such damage control approach is a necessary but not sufficient condition to foster a lasting recovery. The economy will need strong signals to revive animal spirits. We've been expressing our conviction for a while now in Macrocast that private capex would be a key victim of the pandemic, given the lingering uncertainty it has created. This may call for fiscal initiatives focusing on public investment, drawing on the current low to negative cost of long-term government funding. A side benefit of such approach is that in the countries dealing with complex political configurations, it may be easier for competing parties to agree on public capex than on other instruments of fiscal stimulus. In the US, so far, Democrats and Republicans in the divided Congress always manage to agree quickly on the fiscal stimulus schemes. But debates will be fiercer when focus moves away from emergency support to long-haul demand management. For instance, Democrats are advocating continued direct support of household income by maintaining generous benefits, while Republicans favor an indirect approach by cutting payroll tax. These positions are difficult to reconcile because they are the heart of an allocation debate with significant consequences for the social groups the two parties target. Agreeing on more freeways or 5G networks may actually be easier. This week's focus. We're going to focus on the US and China, actually, uh, this week. On Wednesday in the US, the, uh, the Fed is going to release uh, the minutes of uh, the last uh, FOMC. My guess is that market players are going to pour over every single word uh, in those minutes because um, the pattern so far is that uh, wobbles on the equity markets have always... Uh, been contained by the promise or the hint of more stimulus. Uh, and that is something that could be contained in, in the minutes. So uh, that could be an important moment. And then later in the week, we'll have the usual uh, big thingy uh, with the release of the payroll data uh, in the US. Uh, they are incredibly hard to read at the moment because the pandemic is generating lots of, of noise. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, the unexpected improvement uh, that came out last month uh, is, is confirmed. Um, also in, in China, uh, we're going to uh, care a lot about uh, the PMI uh, release. Uh, that's going to come uh, on Tuesday and uh, Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday for the official one, Wednesday for the Cajun. I've often expressed here some doubt as to the validity of uh, PMIs at the moment, but China has been exiting uh, from lockdown quite a while ago now. So uh, this should be actually uh, interesting. The market is uh, expecting some leveling off but is also expecting the PMI to remain above 50. Uh, that would be a, a nice uh, piece of information. If the PMI were to fall below 50 again, uh, my guess is that the market would uh, definitely uh, take it badly. 
If you want to delve deeper into the current situation in the US or look at household liquidity buffers in Europe, the link to the Macrocast newsletter is in the episode description. Feel free to leave us a comment or suggestion on Apple Podcast or directly on Twitter. My handle is also in the description. In the meantime, have a great week. Macrocast, the sound of the economic world. Available every Monday on your podcast app. 